Sentire media. In the spring of 1919, the General Inspector of Public Safety, Giovanni Gasti, handed in the report he had been compiling on the man he had been following, Benito Andrea Amilcare Mussolini. Benito Mussolini is of strong constitution, although he suffers from syphilis. This strong constitution allows him a strenuous work schedule. He rests at home until late in the morning. He goes out around midday, but he does not come back until three o'clock in the morning, and these 15 hours with brief pauses for meals are dedicated to the activity of journalism and politics. He is a sensual man, and this is demonstrated by the many relations he has with various women. He is emotional and impulsive. These characteristics make him suggestive and persuasive in his speeches. Although he speaks well, we cannot really define him as an orator. He is, deep down, a sentimental man, and this wins him many sympathies and friendships. He is disinterested, generous, and this, and this has given him a reputation of altruism and philanthropy. He is very intelligent, careful, measured, and thoughtful, with a good knowledge of men, of their qualities and their defects. He is quick to like or dislike, capable of sacrifice for his friends. He is persistent against his enemies and in his hatreds. He is brave and audacious. He has organizational skills. He is capable of quick determinations, but he is not otherwise tenacious in his convictions and proposals. He is highly ambitious. He holds the conviction that he represents a considerable force in the destiny of Italy, and he is determined to put it into practice. He is a man who will not accept second-level positions. He wants to be first and to dominate. It is certain that, as an adversary, Mussolini, a man of thought and action, an effective and incisive writer, a persuasive and lively orator, could become a leader, a formidable hitter. In the last episode, we tried to give a definition of what fascism was, and we came up with the idea that to start with, fascism was Benito Mussolini, 
his actions and the patchwork of ideas he took from various sources, and that it is only with the death of Mussolini in 1945 that we can really start to define what fascism means, because it is after that date that we can call it a defined ideology. Before that, it was just the description of the actions of a man who created something that then perhaps he lost control of. Today we're going to have a look at the life of Benito Mussolini up until 1921, when the fascist party was created 100 years ago. As always, I am joined by Matteo Marconi for this discussion. So Matteo, we could say that from the very start, Mussolini was sort of destined for something because starting with his father, Alessandro, uh, things were already, let's say, unusual. Uh, he was a socialist, a convinced socialist, and indeed he gave his son Benito three names. Uh, we know it was Benito, Amilcare, Andrea Mussolini. Benito for Benito Juarez, a Mexican revolutionary, Amilcare for Amilcare Cipriani and Andrea for Andrea Costa. Three people who were definitely not right-wing, Matteo, I would say. So no, from the very start, we see a, a socialist family. A lefty family. He was a, his father was a black, blacksmith. He, his names were related to a Mexican revolutionary. And Andrea and Amilcare was a, two members of the Socialist Party. And... But uh, in the ideals of uh, socialism in, in, that, in that period and in that place, which is Romania, uh, there was a strong belief in, Republica, in Republican ideals. Republican Party was a very important nationalist party who, who fought for independence of Italy in the late um, uh, 19... Uh, yeah, so we, we know that... Um... Mussolini was born 29th of July 1883, so we're talking, yes, late 19th century. 19th century, and in that place, there were there were there were very strong ideas for uh, the independence of Italy, and uh, his father was a socialist, but he was a, a follower of Mazzini. Mm -hmm. Giuseppe, was, Mazzini. Giuseppe Mazzini, who fought from the late uh, uh, 1850s, uh, mm -hmm. okay? yeah, for the independence of Italy in uh, when Italy was not a nation. Uh, yeah, yeah. So a member of the the Risorgimento, which is the movement that created the unification of towards Italy, the the, the uh, uh, an Italian uh, identity. And so, in the beginning of the life of Mussolini, we have two two different quite strange ideals, socialist, which is internationalist, and uh, republicanism, Italian republicanism, which is a nationalist so movement. So from, from its very stark, uh, a stark contrast in the yes, family. There was a bipolar from the beginning. <laughs> he of the bipolar to start with, okay. In Italy, we have this, this strange connection between left, some, some kind of left uh, party, and national nationalist, the Republican Party in Romania, in which he was born, was anti, very anti-clerical. Anti-clerical, strongly anti-clerical. Anti and indeed, we know that that Mussolini had a very strong anti-clerical upbringing, despite the fact that his mother was was very religious. 
Um, but Mussolini was, at a certain point, I mean, he was a very difficult child, uh, quite a violent child, always getting in fights, always getting in trouble. And so his anti-clericalism started early because he was sent to a Catholic school. And in this Catholic school, they would divide the students according to their social level. Um, so according to your social level, when you went to lunch, you would be divided among the, you know, the richer class, the middle class, or the poor class. And Mussolini resented very, very much being put in the poorer class and seeing this social division in action at a very young age as well. Yes, in, in the beginning, he, he suffered from this, uh, uh, some kind of segregation. segregation. Yeah, absolutely. His life began with frustration in the, at the beginning because uh, he felt that he was uh, uh, torn apart uh, from 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 uh, um, the other people. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he, he suffered from the beginning of this exclusion. And he had this this strange family in which we, he, his mother was a... Uh, a devout a, Catholic. Devout Catholic. And, his father and the father was, was a, was a devout anti-clerical... Yeah, a very, very anti-religious, anti-clerical in all figure. In, in fact, in, to, uh, along his life, you will see this this kind of uh, a contradiction in his, in his life in which uh, some, in some way prevails the movement toward Catholicism, Catholicism and the ideas of anti-clericalism just in the beginning. And, uh, and in some way, he chose what he needed moving to, towards power. Yeah, exactly. Again, as we, as we mentioned uh, last we time, said, the objective uh, was to reach... Uh, power and, and to maintain power, basically. So, difficult childhood, or, or, or let's say in a certain sense a violent child, difficult child. Um, at a certain point, he does manage to graduate. He uh, is educated as a teacher, as an elementary school teacher, although at the beginning he has a trouble finding work. And uh, in the end, to avoid um, his military service, he uh, escapes to Switzerland. Uh, where, and there he lives uh, in an often difficult situation, sometimes also um, as a homeless person, you know, sleeping out uh, under bridges. A uh, refugee. He was a refugee. As a, as a refugee in, in a certain sense. Although here he starts to... Uh, he starts his activism with the Socialist Party in his uh, Swiss exile, let's say. He began to... to to take public speeches with uh, Italian workers, socialist workers, in which he had so strong um, speech against uh, religion, and in, in, in a in a very famous uh, episode. Yeah, he asked God to. Yeah, he said, to if, strike if God him, exists, He will strike, strike me down he will now. Me. No, uh, and God didn't strike didn't him strike. down. <laughs> it would, it could have been, everything could have been better. The good occasion <laughs> uh, was the right time. If the to... Almighty had been listening in that moment, things could have gone a lot differently. And he him. went to jail because he had uh, uh, documents. Um, ah, he had uh, false documents. Fal- he, had he had false documents, documents for uh, some trouble. He had the uh, fights uh, and. Uh, he was a, uh, a fellow. He was a felon. convicted fellow. Yeah, yeah. He, well, that's one thing we must uh, know that uh, during his lifetime, Mussolini did spend a time in prison, in, both, prison. Uh, in Switzerland and in Italy. But we were saying in Switzerland, he started in a certain sense, as you were saying, Mattel, his, his political career or his career, let's say, as a public figure and started to show some of his oratory skills, giving, giving these speeches. He learned French. 
uh, while in German, Switzerland. German, yeah. uh, uh, German, which allowed him then, when he returned to Italy, to, to teach uh, French as well in uh, as a profession. Yes, and he began to write in uh, in newspapers, in uh, local newspapers. He started his activity as a journalist. As a journalist, and he was... Uh, quite, uh, he, he was quite skillful as a journalist because uh, there are lots of books you can find here in Italy, which of um, Dante Alighieri or um, um, Boccaccio, which uh, the preface is written by Mussolini. Ah, can... So editions of Boccaccio and Dante with Dante a preface by and Brigitte Machiavelli. Machiavelli. Uh-huh. I have a book of Machiavelli uh, printed in the, in the twenties and. Uh, which preface was was written by Mussolini? He was quite. Uh, He's quite a good writer. A good I'd writer, say. yes. He's quite a good writer. Um, at a certain point, he returns to Italy after his Swiss exile. He manages to find teaching jobs, uh, also in our little province of Reggio Emilia. Yes, Gualtieri, Gualtieri, near us, uh, twenty kilometers from from here. From here, in in a little town called uh, Gualtieri, and um, then. One thing we need to look at is his position on on the war. Uh, so 1911, we have the war in Libya. So at first, Mussolini comes out as, uh, I don't want to say a pacifist, but an anti-war, he comes out with an anti-war position. Yes, uh, he, he thought that the war in Libya, which uh, was made to, to create an empire for Italy, uh, was a, a sort of imperialist uh, war. He, he opposed uh, very much this this kind of, cho- of choice, and he was a very uh, a very strong uh, position against war, and uh, he, he spoke uh, in public lots of time, and he wrote lots of of uh, articles against this this, this choice that exactly. brought to war in 1911. Exactly. In, uh, in Libya, exactly. which was uh, the first war in which we uh, used uh, air bombing. Mm-hmm, the, the Italians <laughs> created this beautiful thing. Yes, it, yes. Uh, bombing campaigns. Bombing campaigns. On those very, on very civilian, dangerous civilian. Ethiopians. Yes, yes. No, no, Libyans, Libyans. Li- oh, sorry, on those very, very dangerous uh, Libyans. Yes, exactly. Terror bombing. You know, yeah, terrorist, strategical, terrorist attacks, strategical bomb. Yeah. Now we call it strategical bombing. Yes. Uh, we, but we, it was uh, just to terif- terrify the, uh, the population. Exactly, yeah. So in this early period, he also has uh, his first experiences as a political a leader in Trento, for example, he starts to approach the Socialist Party, um, and it's also in this period that he becomes. Uh, he starts to write for an important socialist newspaper, the Avanti. And then in Trento, it's, it's very, it's very important his uh, activity in Trento because Trento was in the uh, Austro-Hungaric Empire, mm-hmm. and uh, in Trento, which is Italian uh, culturally. He fought for the the return uh, of Trento, which is an Italian uh, city, Italian culture uh, speaking, to to Italy. And so, he, just in the beginning, we have an, another example of of his uh, double face uh, personality: uh, internationalism and anti anti capitalistic uh, positions against war. And then we have nationalism uh, in uh, for the, the return of Trento to the fatherland. So we have to to these two different uh, stream of thoughts in uh, in Mussolini's life, uh, which uh, flows together. 
Then, Matteo, with the, with the arrival of the First World War, Mussolini's position changes. He had spoken against the intervention in Libya in 1911 and initially had been against Italian intervention in the First World War, in line with the main socialist line. But at a certain point, he changes his mind and he is then he becomes in favour of the Italian intervention in the First World War. And that changes Mussolini's direction very much because that is when he is forced out of the socialist newspaper, the Avanti. He founds his own newspaper, Popolo d'Italia, and Mussolini goes to war. Unlike other leaders, let's say, Mussolini did fight in the First World War. He was a corporal. He was wounded on the front. So he added this heroic side to his personal story. A very important uh, medal for for uh, for a political leader, and this change it's, it's quite strange because the change was quite quick. Some people say now in the historical uh, um, studies now there are documents that prove that uh, he had been uh, he'd been founded by French and uh, England England England. Uh, yeah. So by, by French change, and English sources so, to change to his change position. his position because they knew he had a lots of, of power, he has a lot of influence, influence, and uh, this kind of change was so abrupt, and so um, so we, we we know that this this man always thought about his his own power. The the ideas were changing, but it's. One one idea was very strong. He had to rule. He had to find his way to, to the political power. power. Yeah. And so when it was very useful to sustain war, it, it passed the other yeah, side. Yeah, when it was personally and financially uh, to his advantage to change position in favor of Italian intervention, he quite quickly changed. And there was in the, in the, the Italian left uh, party, there was in socialist party, there were some some people that sustained the war against Austria and, and Germans. So um, a minority, it was a minority, but uh, quite influence, influence. And we can say that in the, in the national life of Italy and in the personal life of Benito Mussolini, the First World War is a very important moment because it, thanks also to the narrative told by an important Italian poet, Gabriele D'Annunzio, the First World War brought us the concept of the Vittoria Mutilata, the mutilated victory that uh, saw Italy as a winning partner of the war, but not getting all of the necessary advantages from that war. Yes, because uh, um, D'Annunzio thought, uh, uh, when he said Vittoria Mutilata, mutilated victory, thought about Nike di, Tamos, di Samotraccia, which is a statue, statue a Greek statue, with whose head is cut off and yeah. so uh, it's a beautiful statue but there's something missing there's, it's missing its head yeah. italy won, won the nike won, statue the nike statue won the first the first world war in una inutile strage yeah, it, it was a, a useless massacre but he didn't get what uh, they expected to have uh, from also this for picture. a great inability of uh, of the Italian political establishment uh, at the negotiation table. Uh, you know, it seems that, for example, the king uh, Vittorio Vittorio Emanuele didn't even speak good English, so you didn't actually know what was going on a lot of the time. And at when the they went to, I think, London to negotiate, the yeah, the Italian representatives were humiliated. Uh, so they were put aside. 
And so this kind of uh, revenge or sort of, of uh, sorrow of, of what uh, was happening became one of the strongest uh, ideas of uh, the new of new fascism, because then one thing that we need to point out is many of the early fascists, many of the members of the fasci di combattimento, the, 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 the combat faces, were ex, so, so military, First World War veterans who were frustrated and disappointed by the results of the First World War. You know, they felt they had suffered and fought and, and shed blood for, uh, for a cause, but it was then betrayed. Yes. Uh, and thousands and thousands of people uh, uh, fought the First World War, and there was the, the main uh, the main part of the the first fascist uh, fascist uh, movement because they were always sustained by Mussolini, who was one of them. Exactly, if, if he was one he of was, the veterans. Yeah. Yes, he was a veteran. So the First World War, it's and uh, see um, the frustration of these veterans was the uh, rise the. There's the spark, the spark that, that uh, gave rise uh, to, to, to the early to fascist the movement. One of the most th- most important things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Without the the disappointment of the First World War veterans, perhaps the early fascist movement wouldn't have gained all of that momentum that it did gain in the end. So, the, la marcia su Roma, march. The march uh, on Rome. On Rome was formed by. Uh, veterans most of all and so did the soldiers that were in rome to stop them couldn't move and against their companions yeah yeah or, or i mean also there the the, the king refused the king to, refused to, but to ratify the the, the, the the army that was on, on the place they they saw uh saw they saw their comrades their comrades. comrades and so we don't know what would have happened if the king had um had accepted to, to fire upon the, the fascists who were marching on Rome, but we will talk about the march on Rome uh, in a later episode. So we have the post-war period, um, and we have the famous event of the Presa di Fiume, the taking of Fiume. We will dedicate an episode to uh, Gabriele D'Annunzio and the whole Fiume affair, um, but that, Matteo, in, just in passing, is another example of Mussolini waiting to see how events unfold and then reacting consequently. D'Annunzio invaded Fiume, which which was a former, uh, uh, which was a, 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 not Italy, was not was a, yeah in, in, under in the, the Yugoslavia. Yeah, it was assigned to Yugoslavia in in the post-war negotiations. Yeah, in the post-war negotiations, he decided to move with his comrades to Fiume and took uh, power against this city, and uh, for almost uh, a year. He ruled this uh, as a... Not, not knowing what to do. Once the, once a particular the... rec- Italian Republic to... He wanted to to re- return, that Fiume returned to Italy. And Mussolini looked, uh, at the beginning, he looked what what was happening. But when, when the Nunzio became very dangerous for uh, international... Uh, yes, for uh, the geopolitical, geopolitical. Uh, balances uh, the... He, he left uh, him uh, to, to to his uh, <laughs> to, to his fate. Yes, to his yes. fate. He didn't he didn't jump on the bandwagon in, in that case. And that's so. a, it's a, an example of what Mussolini was. He no he decided something, 
And other things, he looked what was happening. When things were... Uh, In his favor, he would jump, jump on the bandwagon. When uh, something went wrong, he, he went yeah. away. Like the March on Rome, and we'll talk about the March on Rome, because it seemed that Mussolini... Uh, supposedly was there in the middle of the march, but he was sitting back in Milan waiting to see what would happen. But anyway, we'll talk about that. So we said the the taking of Fiume by D'Annunzio, another example of of Mussolini's let's see how things go, let's sit and wait attitude. But at the same time, he had already become a very influential figure in Italian politics. And, And if we go to 1919, we see the first foundations of these fasci di combattimento, although already before that they had uh, started to appear, let's say. What are these early fasci di combattimento, Matteo? The first uh, public representation of uh, fasci di combattimento was in Milan, Milan in 1919, in uh, Piazza San Sepolcro, when Mussolini, with some, one, I think, 80, 100 people, he collected these veterans and this some people gained from industrial power and some, uh, some. merchants entrepreneurs and he gained these people in this in this place in some piazza san sepolcro and it it tried to expose uh, his his ideas yeah he started to, to set out his ideas and in that period the the the, the, the danger for uh, industry or entrepreneurs or uh, uh, merchants was uh, the red danger. Uh, yeah, the red scare. Yeah? The red the, scare. The, the possible Bolshevik drift. Of, drift of because it, it's real. Uh, there was lots of uh, um, strikes mm-hmm. in Italy. There were a lot of strikes, uh, a lot of violence in the factories, in the a lot fact, of violence in... The... Because there was really a movement that... Uh, a strong a left, strong, far left-wing movement. That uh, looked uh, at the, the Russian revolution as a as an uh, goal, as, as a goal. goal, as an example. To uh, example, I don't know. Maybe in Italy it was not possible to reach the same um, the same goal. I hope so. <laughs> but there were the people were uh, were um, upset. The workers were exploited. There was there was a real problem uh, for, uh, for for uh, work in Italy, and so Mussolini knew that that was the right time that to... he could play on the fears of the industrial elite. Uh, for this sort of Bolshevik drift of of a, a potential Bolshevik so, drift of Italian politics. So it's it's quite strange because the man that in, be, in the beginning of his political career was a, a supporter of a revolutionary movement against the the, um, the, the more other, moderate. Yeah, we must more remember that Mussolini uh, um, was the left, left, yeah, left yeah. wing. He, of... he, he he wanted a, a more revolutionary. Um, socialist movement against the more moderate against the industry uh, the capitalism in the beginning so in the beginning he wanted uh, to be he was a revolutionary from a left uh, left revolution in that time so we're talking not no more than five years later he began uh, the support of uh, uh, the industrial, uh, uh, the industrial elite, elite against, against this, the red uh, danger. The, yes, the red the, scare uh, and the Bolshevik. Uh, uh, a complete change of, uh, of uh, so we know. Hundred and eighty degree turn, and hundred and eighty degree turn. This is say. Mussolini, a man who can t- who can turn uh, everything upside down. He can change his mind every time he need he need it, and it comes from a. Uh, revolutionary socialist to uh, a nationalist uh, 
<laughs> right-wing uh, politician. This is Mussolini. This is fascism. And fascism has something of revolutionary and something of uh, establishment. establishment. Yeah, it's a mix of revolutionary establishment in this strange bipolar mix. That yes, the bipolar mix. And in this bipolar mix, it's interesting because we start to have this image of an enemy which is at the same time totally useless, totally inadequate, the scum of the earth, but omnipotent at the same time. And so you wonder how these two things can come together. So, foundation of the Fasci di Combattimento, 1919, and that brings us to, to the 20s. The fascists participate in the first election without any success at all, but then, exactly 100 years ago, May 1921, we had the first election in which the fascists enter into Parliament with 35 delegates. It's uh, an election which sees a great success of the Socialist Party, who have hundred over 130 delegates. But we do see the Fascist Party or the Fascist representatives actually enter into Parliament in 1921. Yes, they enter in a democratic uh, regime, in a democratic system, and they behave as uh, deputies, no, yeah, deputies, as members of parliament. Members of parliament, and in the beginning, and they were supported by Catholic and liberals, and there was a... so all the forces who feared this left-wing yes. uh, drift of Italian politics. So they 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 thought that fascism was a, a sort of war against this danger. In the beginning, they have been. Uh, uh, supported by the democratic uh, parties in the, in the parliament, who underestimated the danger. The danger. The this is the danger. first the first uh, mistake. Yeah. Because the the beginning was quite clear. The man was well known. His uh, history was well known. So they they should have known better. I think. I think it was all clear from the beginning. And so that sets us up. Next time, we'll go back a bit and talk about D'Annunzio and the Impresa di Fiume, the taking of Fiume. And after that, we will take a look not only at Mussolini, because it is absolutely true, as we said, that in a certain sense, at the beginning, fascism was Mussolini and Mussolini was fascism. But he didn't do it alone. So we will be taking a look at some other important members of the fascist movement before we get into the foundation of the fascist party and then see how it took power and then consolidated that power. Thank you for listening to our second episode of the Fascism 100 miniseries. Fascism 100 is researched and recorded by Matteo Marconi and by me, Mike Corradi. Music is by Fabio Debbi. Look him up on his YouTube channel. Thank you very much again for listening. And until next time, keep on resisting.
Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.